Welcome to Life on the Illinois Prairie. Your host is Wendy Fleming Dexter, and after 30 years living in small town Illinois, she has stories to tell. Past cornfields and factories, into the heart of Amish country. There's more here than what meets the eye, far beyond what you think you know. So buckle up and stay tuned. This is Life on the Illinois Prairie. Hello, I am your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter. I want to welcome you to Life on the Illinois Prairie. Today, my co-host is my partner in crime, Stacy Doty. Hi, Stacy. Hello. Hello. Today, we are going to... Uh, I've, I've had a little difficulty, as I expected, getting any Amish guests to actually come on the show I didn't figure anybody would really want to deal with the modern technology that is not in in their belief system. I, my first guest was Wilmer Otto, who spoke in my first two episodes, and he was just wonderful. Wilmer was born Amish and became Mennonite at the age of 10 and then went on to um, Mennonite University and has been quite active in the business world. But the reason I, I've chosen to try to talk about the Amish is I live at the southern tip of the Amish community in Arthur, Illinois, in central Illinois, and uh, there's a little Amish schoolhouse across the road from me. Several years ago, after many of us do, driving up and down the roads just at breakneck speeds, getting where I need to be, um, observing things but not really seeing them, I I decided to slow down a little bit and and really see my neighbors and see what was going on around them and the lifestyle that they live. And even though I've lived around the Amish for 31 years, I am in no way an expert. I do not consider myself an expert in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I I do live in their community, and I do respect them. They never claim to be perfect people, but they just live their lives uh, separate from from us to a great deal, although that has changed over the years. But there are certain things that we can discuss in a broad, broad sense. I was talking to a lady named Mary Otto, and I was asking her questions about their Amish life. And she said, well, you need to see the book that Rebecca Mabry wrote for the News Gazette, the Champagne News Gazette. The book came out in 2008, but it is extremely relevant today. Some of the um, information, the facts and figures have changed to a certain extent, the statistics. But um, by and large, I would call it a very, very important book on the discussion about the Amish life. It's called The Amish of Illinois Heartland by Rebecca Mabry. Unfortunately, she passed away a few years ago, but I would say, in my opinion, this is the definitive book about the Arthur Amish community. And I don't think I could have found any other source of information that would give me more information and help other people understand about the Illinois Amish. Um, there are so many facts and figures that I found. She wrote this book. It was published in 2008. And... At that time, there were 150,000 Amish in the United States and Canada. 
And the latest statistic that I found in 2018, there are 344,670 Amish in the United States and Canada. And, and that is quite, in 15 years, that is quite a change in population. And in the 2003 directory of Illinois Amish, Anybody who lives in this ne- in this neck of the woods will understand that there are a lot of there were 128 Miller families listed, um, 92 Schrock families, and 72 Yoder families. Those are all very common names, along with Otto's, Hirschbergers. It's just a lot of common names in this neck of the woods. And interestingly enough, to me, this was really a surprising statistic. of the Amish in the United States live in Indiana, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. I knew that Pennsylvania had a large concentration of Amish, but I did not realize that two-thirds of the Amish in the country live in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. So um, it's very interesting to me that all Amish, all Amish follow the same, have the same Christian beliefs, but the, within each community, there are going to be different standards set, different rules, different regulations. Uh, deacons and um, deacons, bishops can make different rules for different communities, different districts. So what is true for the Arthur Amish settlement may not necessarily be true for a settlement in Pennsylvania or Ohio or Indiana. They're all all, all the same, but they're all different. So today we're going to try to, dis- I wanted to just narrow down a few things to try to discuss. So there's so many, so many things to go into in depth. And um, I hope to do that down the line. I do have, this is my first season is focusing on the Amish. I have many other topics that would like to discuss uh, besides the Amish, but I would like to keep returning to the Amish because there's just, a, it's just not a simple it's just not a simple thing. There are so many facets to their lives. But the main thing about their lives is church, their beliefs. And um, on a Sunday, usually on a Friday or Saturday, you could drive around uh, this neck of this community and you can see outside of their beautiful immaculate homes, you'll see a usually a green wagon or a white wagon, a long green or long white wagon, and inside that wagon are the church benches. And Amish homes, by and large, are built very open, open concept. And if they're not, if they're not open, there are walls that can, that can swing open and be tied up to the ceiling so that they, so that the rooms are open. I was lucky enough to attend a church service just around the corner from where I live, I live a mile north of Cook's Mill uh, in central Illinois, which is north of Mattoon. And I was privileged enough to go to a church service. And the men sit on one section, in one section of the home, with the boys, the young boys. And then the women sit in another separate section of the home with the young girls. And um, it was a three-hour service all in German. I didn't ex- understand any of it except for one one phrase, which was Ronald Reagan assassination attempt. But in three hours, um, it was all all in German. 
So uh, they take turns holding it in their in their homes, and each district has a deacon. And there are 27, the last count that I saw was 27 districts, but with the growth that they have had, I'm pretty certain that there are probably more districts than that in the area. And another thing about the Amish, I touched, we touched upon this with uh, Wilmer, is that they do not believe in musical instruments because they consider them worldly. So we know what, I know what they do not believe. They don't believe in, in music and, and instruments, but they do have music that they sing. Uh, they have books that they uh, chant from, I call it a chant, but it's, it's probably not. But um, a man starts the singing and then everyone joins in and it's a beautiful, beautiful sound. It's haunting. But um, Stacy, would you like, would you care to read what the Amish do believe? That, that Rebecca wrote in her book, please. Of course. Thank you. Uh, the Amish believe in the Holy Trinity, God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And they live by the Old and New Testament and the Apostles' Creed. They also follow the Dordrecht Confession of Faith, which was adopted by the Mennonites in 1632. It outlines, with references to Scripture, the beliefs on such issues as selecting church leaders, marriage, foot-washing, communion, baptism, and other church laws and traditions. Thank you, Stace. So as to um, baptism, they do not believe in children being baptized. They, they believe in adult baptism. There's the room springer where the children can decide, the young adults can decide if they wish to join the church or they do not. And if the if the interesting thing, and I just learned this the other day, was that if a if someone decides not to be baptized, and then they go on and marry someone outside of the Amish, um, then they aren't shunned. But if they have joined the church, as I understand, if they have become baptized and joined the church and then decide to leave, then that is that is frowned upon and they can be shunned. And that's painful for everyone concerned, I believe. So the Amish do have their uh, church in their homes. Then afterwards, they have a meal that has been prepared by the by the women of the church, Sundays are strictly days where there are there's no work done other than the minimal chores that have to be done tending to the animals. And the women, there is a meal that is served that is generally prepared food. Sometimes it's a peanut butter spread, which is uh, with caro syrup and marshmallow spread blended in with the peanut butter and then on homemade bread. Sometimes they'll have pickles. They'll have things that can be easily served up. And um, after the service, they take the benches that everyone has has sat on, and they can they convert those. They assemble them so that they are tables, and like almost like a picnic table. And then they're covered with tablecloths, and then the food is put on them, and everyone can serve themselves. So, Stacy, also, can you read the Nicene Creed? I think a lot of people will be surprised when they hear the Nicene Creed. This is something else that the Amish believe in and fall. Okay. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, 
maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried, and the third day rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Apostolic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Amen. Thanks, Stacy. Uh, that to me, uh, I don't know that I heard the Nicene Creed until I began attending a Lutheran church several years ago. And I think that that would probably possibly surprise people that that is um, a creed that the Amish also follow because it's probably familiar to many Lutherans and, and Catholics and perhaps other religions. So that's just a broad overview of the Amish church and what the, what the Amish believe. I know that many people, um, I have not personally run across any Amish people that treat me like they think they are holier than thou. They they have their beliefs. They've never tried to push their beliefs off on me, and I've never felt judged by them. Um, they've just been well welcoming and warm people. To me, they're not perfect people. They never claim to be. Uh, they have their issues within the, within their communities, just like we all do. And inside their culture, they have problems and struggles, just like we all do. But um, I, I deeply respect their their lifestyle and uh, the fact that that they can adhere to to the life the life that they have which is really for them nothing that they've they've never known anything different but their their life is to serve God and to get in the kingdom of heaven which is i believe something that many people strive for so um when people see them in in a setting in a, in a store or in a restaurant sometimes it's, they tend to um stare or consider them to be some kind of an oddity, but they're just human beings like the rest of us trying to get to the next day and uh, make it to the kingdom of God. And I think that's what many people want. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about was photos. The One of the reasons that I decided to slow down in, in my country cruises through uh, the Tri-County area that I kind of often go through my Facebook friends in the Mattoon Charleston on my area here will re will uh, recognize this that um, I take a lot of photographs of Amish buggies or there there are people that uh, if I see somebody out in the field one of the first you know things that I learned coming up here was I was always under the impression not to take a picture of their faces because, I had been told that they believed it was, they didn't believe in graven images. That's the phrase I heard so many times. But in Rebecca Mabry's book, she addresses that issue. And one of the things that the church believes in is no posed photos. They don't believe that people should pose for a photo, that that's not something that, that the church believes in. I had posted pictures on uh, Illinois Storm Community. Uh, Illinois Weather and What's Up Illinois. They're all three pages that uh, Carlos Wyant has started in a few years back in on Facebook. And um, wonderful 
outlet for people to post their pictures and people to share things that are joyful and, and uplifting and happy pictures. And sometimes, the, as Illinois Storm community implies, that there are storm pictures, which, of course, aren't joyful. But otherwise, there are pictures that people want to share about the beautiful state of Illinois. And I love my state. I love Illinois. And it has its issues, again, like every other state. But this is home. And I like to share what I consider the beauty of home. And I cannot tell you, there there have been any time, it seems, that I post a picture and mention Amish, somebody has to chime in with their expertise. Um, as I say, I'm no expert. All I know is my neighborhood, my personal experiences, and what I have learned and what I especially have learned from this book. But I've had people tell me, people say that, no Amish wants their picture taken, and you you can't take their pictures. And the, um, I can take their pictures, but they just do not believe in posing for pictures. They don't like to be asked to pose for pictures. And more importantly than that, if they they don't like somebody sticking a camera in their face and taking a picture like they're a sideshow oddity. And who of us would like that? I mean, it's just rude. That's extremely rude. But I, I've, I've fought this um, repeatedly. Um, I try not to get into arguments on these pages. That's gets against the rules of the page to start with. But sometimes you just feel the need to enlighten somebody. I had a woman tell me when I posted pictures back one of our last weather events, I said a picture of an Amish buggy going to school. And I said, nothing stops the kids from Little Creek School making it to school. And a, another person commented, well, too bad only the boys go to eighth grade. And I said, well, no, in this community, I'm not sure where you're from, but I said, in this community, the boys and girls go to school to eighth grade. And she said, no, they don't. Just the boys go. The girls go till, the, till they learn to read and write, and then they're home learning how to be housewives. <laughs> and I said, I don't think that's the case. She said, well, my daughter is 16, and she's becoming Amish. And that does happen. She would know her own child, I'm sure. And there are people, there are English people, although very few, who have converted. I know of one in this community, and I'm sure there are more people who were interested in the lifestyle and values of the Amish, and they left the English life to become Amish people. But... um Nonetheless, when it comes to taking pictures, I try to be very careful. Even even uh, I don't take pictures of their faces. I would never have a picture that uh, their faces are recognizable. Sometimes from the back and the side, if you get somebody's face turned, they can be recognized. But um, I didn't ask. I don't have never asked anyone to pose for a photograph. So I hope that kind of clears up that misconception. This is a mysteries, myths, and misconceptions about the Amish, and I believe that's that's one of them. So, uh, and going on about the school, uh, this little school across the road from me, had, I don't know how many students they have. I did ask the teacher if she would, she would speak with me. And um, if they would, would be interested and they were, they were not interested and, taking part in this in this discussion but I I tried because they there are 17 at, that the count at the time this book was published in 2008 of the Amish of Illinois Heartland by Rebecca Mabry at that time there were 17 parochial schools 
that uh, served the 27 church districts of the Arthur Arcola area. I'm sorry, I don't have the updated number of schools, but I know for a fact that there are more than that. They keep building them, um, build them and they will come. (laughs) But uh, typically there are two room schools and each teacher has between 15 and 25 students. And, and the tuition is paid by the families, but per family rather than per child. The uh, amount of tuition varies from school to school and may depend on money earned through school fundraisers, which is another thing that people would be familiar with in our other schools or public schools because they also have fundraisers. So uh, t- school district expenses can include the teacher's salary, which would not include retirement or insurance benefits, of course, and it would include the purchase of textbooks and workbooks, a tank of propane for heating and lighting, and occasional cleaning and paper supplies. And the state of Illinois does require 160 days of schooling a year. So the Amish school year typically runs from late August through late April or early May. They uh, observe Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter, but no other school holidays. So Martin Luther King or or other events like that that other students in public schools get out for, Elmish students will still go to. I always have to laugh because being the amateur photographer that I am and enjoying going out taking pictures of uh, in my yard sometimes, early in the morning, I'll, I take pictures only using my cell phone. And so early in the morning, I will get out in the early morning frost, sometimes in the snow with my, I take a piece of cardboard and I'm down on my hands and knees investigating something down in my yard, be it a bug or or a, some, some something that's covered with frost. But invariably about it, about a quarter till eight in the morning, here comes the school children coming down the road. <laughs> and there I am on my hands and knees in my coat in wintertime uh, with my nose down down in the yard. And I always wonder what they must think. I've never stopped ha- having any of them stop and ask them what they think. But they always, they always stare at me when they go by. And it's just uh, highly amusing to me. So uh, the students only go to the eighth grade. And I've had many people question the wisdom of that, but living in this area and seeing the uh, success of the many businesses that there are uh, run by Amish, I think reading, writing, and arithmetic has serves them well. They're, they're, those are the basic skills that they learn, and they also teach them responsibility and a work ethic. That's that's extremely important to them, and I think that serves them well. There are a growing number. In years past, the Amish never worked off of the farm, seldom worked off the farm, I should say, but they have these cottage industries have sprung up all across the community, and in the mornings, the, the roads are, country roads are very active with people bicycling to work or work vans picking people up from uh, to go to work in furniture stores or uh, furniture building stores or other uh, woodworking shops in the area. 
And those shops also allow flexible schedules so that the employees can attend community events such as weddings, uh, funerals, or school activities. And uh, a school activity will be coming up across the road here that um, always kind of makes me sad. I'm sure it makes the students happy, but at the end of the school year, they have a program. All the parents come and friends and family. Um, I used to be invited to that for many years, but I've not been invited lately. I don't know what I've done to be shunned, but um, I haven't been invited for a while. But it is a fun thing to go to. And one of the things that interested me was when you walk into this um, school program, the women, of course, are on one side, the men on the other. And everybody, the women walk in and they all kind of, they all shake hands with one another. It's very perfunctory. It's just, it's a very, uh, just a quick handshake. There's nothing, you know, there's no hugging, hugging or anything that, that warm, but, and the men the same and the children come up and they recite their pieces. They recite their, their uh, parts that they've learned. And there's some songs that are sung. And then in the, in, after it's all, all over with, and everybody's accomplished what they needed to accomplish for their part. Everybody went down to the, to the basement at this particular church across from me. And it's, uh, I was, I was always, I was amazed because, you know, when we have dessert and we go someplace for a meal, we might pick out one or two things that are our favorite thing to eat, favorite dessert, but they would come with a plate that's totally laden with desserts. They have as many desserts on their plates that they would have from the main meal, which always, always intrigued me. But, you know, the, they are very active. The children, when they go out to recess, they play softball. They, they play red, uh, looks like red Rob. Um, I can't think of the name of the, of the, the, but they're very active is what I'm trying to get at. And one year, they it was a very cold winter the children built these little bridges across the road built these bridges of ice and they would cut squares of ice and chunks of snow they built an igloo it probably took them a week to build that igloo but um it was a beautiful thing to see when they accomplished it so we'll we can we'll probably talk more about school on down the line when I get someone who's an expert because as you know I'm not but um, and another thing that I did want to touch on is that time of year where weddings are happening in the Amish community you can always tell there's going to be a wedding because there's a big tent that's erected in the yard and um, usually if there's a lot of friends or relatives in a particular school that would close that school for the day so teachers can attend the wedding and the students. And businesses will let people leave for the day to attend a wedding. And a typical, again, this this has, has probably doubled and has probably doubled in the last few years. But at that, in 2008, the average cost to a bride's family was between three and four thousand dollars, which compared to uh, an English wedding, and all of us who aren't Amish are considered English to the Amish. Um, four thousand dollars may not seem like a lot of money, but the largest expense in the case of an Amish household is the food. 
And it, whereas it, I think for an, an English, many times that it's either the venue or the photographer that is a very large cost, but, uh, the food. So, Stacy, I think you have a list of the wedding, the wedding shopping, shopping list for a wedding, would you? For the, how much food does it take to feed 500 guests? Well, let's see here. <laughs> uh, wedding shopping list. Uh, mashed potatoes for a hundred. You need about four batches for a typical wedding. That's thirty pounds of potatoes, two quarts of milk, cup of salt, cup of butter, and one cup of sour cream. Wow! Now I would not want to be the one peeling thirty pounds of potatoes. <laughs> But that is where the Amish philosophy of many hands make light work come into play. They put everybody to work, all the girls to work, um, probably have, a, have an assignment of cutting potatoes. What's next? Uh, looks like Salisbury steak. You'll need at least six batches. That's 15 pounds of hamburger, 12 eggs, five cups of chopped onions, seven cups of milk, 14 cups of cracker crumbs, and three teaspoons of pepper, salt and pepper, sorry about that, 14 10-ounce cans of mushroom soup. And I guess dressing for 100, you need about four batches, that's six 60 pieces of bread, five sticks of celery, 10 cups of chicken broth, two cups of butter, 15 eggs, five tablespoons of chicken seasoning, salt to taste, and two cups of milk. Wow. 500 people. I've I've had up to 25 here. That's the most I've ever cooked for. I cannot imagine cooking and serving a meal for 500 people. But um, I think weddings are such a joyous occasion. I have had the occasion, the opportunity to attend a wedding um, a few years back up the road from me. And um, it was very interesting event. The only thing I can really remember for sure is the food was good, as it always is when you're around the Amish that was served after the wedding, but the wedding itself was in a workshop. Everything, you know, everything was all spick and span and cleaned up. But the bride and groom, I can't say they're always like this, but the the wedding that I was at, they both, they never made eye contact the whole time. I was, that I was observing them and um, pretty much both sat with their hands down in their laps. So I can't say that all, they're all like that, but um, the one that I was at was, pretty sedate, but I know that it's a very joyous time and that they do believe in marrying for life. There are there are times when uh, they do have problems, um, but the Amish raise their children to take marriage seriously and to uh, that it's a lifetime commitment. Not that they don't have their problems and issues, but they do, they do their best to try to work it out. It doesn't always work out that way. So I think... Stacy, we have one more thing of, that I think that I found fascinating about the uh, buggies. Mm-hmm. I'm always interested when I see the buggies. Do you have that information about about the buggies? All the statistics about that because 
I always, oh, I see uh, buggy. I'm always, and I will remind people too that these buggies aren't always driven by adults. When these people come into school, these children, sometimes there are some very young children at the reign of those, of those uh, buggies. And I just don't think people realize that, or maybe they're just not aware, maybe they don't care, but um, it's got to be terrifying sometimes when a big semi comes bearing down on you or a a pickup truck comes back, you know, a couple of um, a dozen feet away from the back of your vehicle. That's, that would scare me to death. It scares me seeing them, so I can't imagine what they think. So what are those statistics, Stacy, about the buggies? Well, first of all, the frame is wooden with uh, three-quarter inch plywood. Uh, the seats, most often four, sometimes six. Uh, life expectancy of a buggy is about 20 years or more with proper care. Uh, cost is anywhere from 4000 to $6,000. And they weigh about 800 pounds. Uh, Maintenance-wise, they have occasional washing with Murphy's oil soap. Uh, the color is a black in Arthur Arcola community. The interior is a buyer's choice. Buyer's choice. Most seats are covered in velvet-like upholstery or vinyl. Blue and gray are also popular colors. State requirements are, uh, of course, headlights, rear lights, Reflective triangle on back and rear amber flashers. Uh, horsepower is usually a standard bread. Uh, the distance they can cover with a good horse, 20 miles, can be covered in two hours. And a good horse can make the return trip in the same day. And they run about a speed of 10 to 12 miles per hour. Thank you, Stacy. I've, I've, I didn't know what to expect about the weight of a buggy. Um, I've been behind so many of them and passed so many of them so carefully. You never know, you just never know how those horses are going to behave. There, there have been. Uh, I happened upon something probably two months ago that was just. Uh, I we were coming back from chesterville illinois and i came i could see something was happening on the side road and we went by and there was a horse that had just died in the middle just died and it was just uh i can imagine utterly devastating for the people um you know wasn't an accident or anything but i mean everything comes to an end i suppose but um um there that'll be something we can all there are other issues about um animals uh Amish people and their animals. I, there, there are instances where things have come up in discussion where people have mistreated their animals. And, you know, I've never seen it myself. I would never deny what other people have seen. Um, that it's a, it's a, it happens in every culture where people can mistreat an animal. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, but um, we hope that it doesn't happen often. Um, they're not perfect people. It does happen. We can't uh, can't deny that. But from what I've seen, uh, the horses, their horses are an investment. It's just like a, a English person buying a tractor or combine, although a lot less expensive. But relatively speaking, it's an investment in their, you know, that they use. And um, I wouldn't think that most of them would take that lightly. Um, but um, 
I hope that this has been a little bit enlightening for you. Um, I, there's so much to learn, and I, I just love to learn things every day. And I don't think you're ever too old to learn. Um, thank you, Stacy, for being my co-host today, my partner in crime and my partner in our musical duo. We have a duo called Dodie and Dexter. So he's my technical advisor for that. And I was, you know, he's used me as his, uh, he wanted me to, he wanted, he suggested, he's the one who suggested I do a podcast. So I'm going to blame him for this, but <laughs> I do enjoy it. And I do <laughs> hope that, um, I hope that we can bring some interesting things down the line to people that um, there are other uh, so many subjects that we want to discuss about the beauty and the things of central Illinois that we have that I think sometimes people here in Illinois, you know, really your main people think of Chicago, which is a wonderful place. I love Chicago. There's, it's a great place to visit. I would, I love to go see all the culture and all the beauty that they have there, but I like to come home. There's just something relaxing to hearing a horse and buggy going down the road and, um, all the beauty that Central Illinois has to offer. And I hope that maybe some listeners will come and listen to that too. So uh, I want to invite you that if you, if you've enjoyed this and you'd like to hear more, please, please subscribe and uh, please come back. We'd love to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Life on the Illinois Prairie, the undercurrents of our American life. If you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe to Life on the Illinois Prairie wherever you get your podcast. Stay tuned for more stories, interviews, and updates. I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter. Until next time. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.